Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I need you to listen fast because I've got to preach even faster because I can see the clock and uh, you can only you can only preach as long as somebody's belly will allow. And I know there's probably people looking, wondering what time the restaurants are going to be closing. So I'm going to try and preach as fast as I can. But come with me. Second Kings chapter 13. I think it'll come up behind me. We're going to read from verse 14 to 20. The title of my message is a curse destroying church or a curse breaking church. When you say what kind of church is, is awaken, uh, we're a curse breaking church. That's, that's what we are. Uh, the devil operates in the curse. That's his domain. But we break the curse and we keep removing territory from him to operate in. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And then he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. Then he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike. Everyone say must strike. Must strike. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. You must strike until you have destroyed them. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Verse 20, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. He revived and stood on his feet. Elisha is on his deathbed. This is the last kind of act of Elisha. The Syrian army has been amassing to the north, getting larger in number by the day. They've cut off water supply. They've cut off food chains and, and bread, and they're trying to starve the city, cripple the city before they take it. Might sound familiar with shortages and everything else. It's, it's, it's a demonic strategy. They've been doing it for thousands of years. And, and the king of Israel comes to Elisha because he wants a breakthrough. He wants to know, is there another miracle 
in Elisha's bag of trees? Is there, is there something left in the barrel? And Elisha gives instruction to him. And the king kind of just haphazardly, half-heartedly just taps three times and then just quits and gives up. And Elisha is angry and he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have defeated them, but now you'll only strike three times and then he dies. He literally dies angry and disappointed at the lackluster, at the lethargy of the king of Israel. The Bible says they take his, his body and they put it into a tomb. And there are Moabite raiders, not Israelite raiders, Moabite raiders who are raiding the land. They're just going, you know, from one place to another, raiding, stealing. And what one guy, I don't know, gets shot with an arrow or something, dies. And then when they see people coming, they, they, they throw his body and it rolls down onto the bones of Elisha. And the Bible says that when, it rolled, when his body rolled onto the bones of, of Elisha, the man who was dead, <gasps> comes back to life and crawls up out of the... A guy got a miracle. And I felt the Lord say that a few things in there. The first one is that a king who had direct court with Elisha had access to the power of God and missed it. But a non-Israelite who's up to no good, can fall on the bones of Elisha and receive a resurrection miracle breakthrough. Because the God that you and I serve is not a God who is a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of positions and he's not a respecter of title. The other thing I want, to, want you to understand is that when Pastor Colin is up here talking about miracles, he, he, was, he was 100% right. We don't believe in miracles. We, re, we rely on them. We depend on them. We're sitting inside of one. We're sitting inside of miracles. Um, I'm not smart enough to do what, 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 what we're doing. And you need to understand that the kingdom is a flow. The kingdom of heaven is a flow. And there's a flow over this house. There's a flow through this house. The Bible says in... in uh, the book of Ezekiel, and then again in the book of Revelation, that God sits on a throne, and beneath the throne a river flows. And that river is a river of life. And then it says, and when it hits the waters, everything is healed. So healing flows. Uh, many years ago, we, we did a 40-day fast. We, we fast every January. And this particular year, it might have been like maybe 10 years ago, God says, I want you to do, call the whole church to do a 40-day fast. And, uh, and he says, I want you to dig again the wells. Dig again the wells. And uh, out of Genesis 26, where Isaac had to dig again the wells of Abraham, his father. And I said, well, I don't understand. What, what do you mean dig again the wells? And God said there were some significant wells in California out where, where our church is. Uh, because in 1906, the Azusa Street outpouring. And then there was the charismatic revival and then the Jesus movement. And there was the, the healing movement, T.L. Osborne. There was... And God says there are three wells that you're going to uncork through the 40-day fast. Fasting is really just uh, removing the blockages so that things can flow. And he says there'll, there'll, there'll be three flows that are significant in the, in the life of awaken. And he says the first one is from poverty to prosperity. That, 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 that people will come in broke and they'll find that heaven isn't broke. Heaven isn't broke. Uh, you know, as, as we're driving in. Turning into, I guess it's the Home Depot, or whatever. There's, there was a 
little place on the corner that says, we buy gold. You know, we buy gold. Uh, a lot of people say, hey, you know, with the economy and all the crazy, it's good to invest in, you know, fine metals and especially gold. It's very interesting that that which is highest on the earth is the lowest in heaven because God paves these, God paves these streets with gold. And it makes sense because earth is a reflection of heaven. So the highest here is the bottom there is where God, God begins. And so, so if, if, you, if you have a problem with uh, prosperity, it's actually good for you. Strap yourself in. And, I, and, and I'll tell you why. God has no problem with you having things. He has a problem with things having you. Every week you'll hear a message challenge you, inspiring you to, first of all, honor the Lord with the tithe. We, we don't give the tithe. You can't give. The tithe, the tithe belongs to God. The only, thing you, the only two things, there's only two options with the tithe. You either bring it or you steal it. The, the only, that's the only two options the Bible gives. No, it doesn't say give your tithe. But you will be challenged to give. Giving begins after the tithe. And, and giving is important because I found that it's very easy to... Uh, you know, for stuff to have you, the rich young ruler, the Bible says, and he went away sad having great riches. He didn't have great riches. Great riches had him. If you have something that you can't give, you don't have it. It has you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only. Only means he doesn't have a spare. Only means he doesn't have another one. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So one of the flows that we have is, is people just begin to flourish. The second flow that we have is that we terminate terminal. There's a, right, right, I got a text message today from a young lady who used to live here in Boise that we heard about in Boise, a young mama, two, two little ones, diagnosed with terminal cancer, given weeks to live. Her lungs were filled with tumors, filled with tumors. She was on, on uh, oxygen and <sighs> could barely breathe because her lungs were so, so filled with tumors. And, uh, and so her, her in-laws come to our church in San Diego. And so they came and, and they just said, hey, listen, would you pray for? And I misheard. I thought she was here. I thought she was in San Diego present. I said, absolutely, you know. Bring her in and I'll, I'll pray for her. And they said, oh, no, no, Pastor, she's up in Boise. I'm like, okay. I said, well, let's do this. The Bible says that uh, in Acts that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons were prayed over and they sent them. So let me tell you, you can't have unusual miracles unless it's just usual miracles. <laughs> Like, you can't have unusual miracles unless there's... So just get ready for usual miracles. Just... And so uh, I think we got a Cherish shirt. And we just got a Cherish shirt and, and we just, you know, anointed it with oil. And I, I, you need to understand, like, Elisha was dead. D-E-D, dead. <laughs> They bury him in a tomb. They had, they had a memorial service and they lamented and mourned that the ministry of Elisha is now finished. The ministry of Elisha may have been finished, but God isn't finished because the anointing was still there. 
and a man rolls on it and receives it. I just, I just want you to know that when you read something in the book of Acts, the book of Acts may, in fact, it's the only book that doesn't finish with an amen because many Bible scholars believe it's still being written in heaven. But miracles that we read about 2,000 years ago are happening today. And so I just anointed, put oil, and nothing special about the oil. I'd love to tell you I got the oil from the Jordan Valley, the, the olives from Gethsemane. It was just, I just bought it at the local Christian bookstore. But we just anointed it, prayed over it, and sent it. And, this, and I gave the young lady some instructions. I said, put it on. Sit in, sit in uh, you know, just sit in a room. And, and I gave her some YouTube. Just, just put healing scriptures on in the background. Just let God's word do its work. Just let God's word. She said when she put it on and she sat, she said all of a sudden she felt heat in her chest. She felt heat in her chest. About three days after doing that, she says, my lungs feel clear. She went for a walk and normally she could only walk maybe five or ten steps and she'd be out of breath. She, so she went to the doctors and the doctors did x-rays and they're like, oh, this is, no, this, no, there must be something wrong here. The x-ray machine must be broken. So they redid tests and then they said, we can't explain this, but every single tumor is shriveling up and disappearing. I just got the, the one-year report today that there is no trace of any cancer in her body. Come on. How many people know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. So, so we're not frightened by terminal. We're not scared of cancer. The God that you and I serve is a God that we see on a weekly basis. Terminate, terminal. And then, uh, and then the, uh, the third one, the third flow over our house, is, he said to me, is from barren to fruitful. From barren to fruitful. Uh, we have so many miracles. We, we, we had one beautiful uh, that just comes to mind of a, a gentleman who him and his wife were uh, high-level competitive. She was seven times Miss Olympia. And, uh, but because of just, just to compete at that level, what they have to put their bodies through, they spent over $170,000 on fertility treatments and could not, could not get pregnant. And so uh, they came into our church during 2020 because we were open and nowhere else was. So, and people needed good news. People needed good news in, in a time of darkness and crazy. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, Spirit of the Lord's lifting a standard. He's just looking, I've got a standard to lift. Is there anywhere open where I'm going to lift the standard? And so we just, we'll, we'll be open. And so he was able to, and so this couple comes in and, uh, and they get prayed for. The power of God hits them. She's 49 when she gets pregnant and 50 when uh, she, she gave birth to, to their, their little daughter. And I just heard she's pregnant again, but with twins, with twins this time. So I'm telling you this, you may say there's some of the magic in the water. I'm telling you this, there's a flow from heaven. So let me give you a couple of quick thoughts just in the, in the few minutes that we have here. Uh, the, 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 first, the first thing that's intriguing is, that, is Joash, the king, comes to Elisha and he says, he says, when my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen, which is a weird thing to say when someone's on their deathbed. It's like the weirdest thing. Now, if you read your Bible, which we encourage, by the way, which we encourage, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8, it talks about, 
Elijah and Elisha. Elisha is the protege. He's the successor. He's the, he's the servant of Elijah. And Elijah is, is about to be taken up to heaven. And uh, he's in Gilgal. And he says to Elisha, stay here. And he says, I ain't staying here as the Lord your God lives. I'm going to be with you. And so he crosses Gilgal. And then they get to Jericho. He's like, look, wait here. You know, the Lord's called me on. He says, I, I ain't leaving. And so then they get to the Jordan, stay here. And he's like, I'm not leaving. And so they cross the Jordan. Elijah takes his mantle and he strikes the, the Jordan River and it opens. They walk across on dry ground. And then Elijah turns to Elisha. Elisha's reputation at this point was the man who poured water on the hands of Elisha. We actually believe that the Bible colleges and seminaries are wonderful things. But, but they, are, they are no match or comparison to serving. because it was the school of the prophets, and they knew. They're like, hey, we got some intel, supernaturally, that the Lord's taken away your master away from you. We know something you don't. And so he's just like, oh, I know, shut up. But Elijah turns to Elisha, and he says this. He says, what shall I do for you before I'm taken up? What shall I do? And I love Elisha. Elisha has been... In Elijah's presence, he's been under Elijah's ministry for the last few years. And Elisha says this. He said, I want a double portion of the spirit that is on you. I want a double portion of the spirit that is on you. And Elijah goes, man, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless. Like there's so much in that. Now, if I was honest with you, Elijah, who called fire down on Mount Carmel, executed the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, then he is the sound of an abundance of rain and climbs straight back up to the scorched mountain and cries out to God and then rain breaks a seven-year drought. It breaks because of this one man. I'd be happy for half. I'd be happy for just like a smidgen. If I could just have a smidgen of what's on you. I mean, it even sounds humble. Oh, Lord, Elijah, if I could just have 10% of what thou carriest. Just for people to say, man, have you ever, I see kind of little semblances of Elijah on you. <laughs> we were close. Yeah, I mean, but not, not Elisha. Elisha says, I want double what's on you. Elijah responds and says, you have asked a hard thing. Can I just tell you, you know that you're in a kingdom environment by the things that you're asking God for. Let me just say this. What I love about this couple is they don't think poor church mouse thinking. They, they, they don't think according to the spirit of religion. They think according to the spirit of the kingdom. When, when, when the disciples first came to Jesus, when they first came to Jesus, we see Peter. He's like, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And then it's not even a year later. And Jesus, they're walking on the road. And Jesus has to stop. And he just, he's, all right, guys, guys, stop, 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 stop. What are you guys arguing about as we walk along? And they're like, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And then James and John are like, yeah, yeah, Lord, Lord. 
when you get, when you get like permit for one of us to sit on your right and the other on your left. And the Bible says that a little squabble, for, like they're about to beat the snot out of James and John. One year earlier there, we're not worthy. One year of being with Jesus, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, because it's going to mess with religious people. Jesus does not say you shouldn't ask such things. He says, whoever desires to be the greatest, become least and the servant of all. Become least and the servant of all. That's the pathway to greatest. If you think of the hotels that you stay in, what's the difference between a good hotel and a bad hotel? The restaurant between the good restaurants and the not so good. Airline between the good airline. It's service. Jesus says in this world, the greater you want to be, Empty yourself. Make it less about you and all about the other person. The greater that you serve, the greater you become. So Elijah says to Elisha, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you're with me when I'm taken up, can I just tell you that, that I honestly believe that Colin and Melissa, with what they're bringing with Awaken, is going to lift the ceiling, is going to shatter the ceiling so that you begin to ask for difficult things. God moves in atmospheres. And there's an atmosphere that you, with, so, so Jesus said, Jesus said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. The church is meant to move you from what the men have said. When we got to San Diego, men said to me, you can't build a church here in San Diego. Men said, they said to me, there's no zoning for churches. And, and even if you could get a, a CUP, a, a conditional use permit, San Diego is the fifth most expensive city in, in uh, America. So even if you could get, not that any churches are giving up their, their, their permits, even if you could, you're not going to be able to raise the money. That's what they told me. But I just decided I didn't move all the way from Australia to San Diego to listen to men, to let men have the final word. Last time I read my Bible... God is most high, that he sits on a throne above the thrones of men. So we just made a decision, knock yourself out. That can be your story. That can be your narrative. But I'm going to kind of slip over here because what is impossible with men, I'm going to slip over here and I'm going to step into the all things are possible with God network. Now you need to understand when, when Leanne and I moved, we put $100,000 on our mortgage. Like that's, and then we bought sound equipment and took the kids to Disneyland, <laughs> bought a van, leased a house. It was, it was, it was our hundred thousand because we believed in it and we felt like, yeah, that's right. It's right that we should be the first to, to invest. In the, in the 17 years, we've given over $2 million, just so you know. If you would have told me in Bible college the time would come one day that I'd give two million dollars to a church I would have said you got rocks in your head or smoke and crack <laughs> but we've seen that as we're generous towards God God is generous back we, we, we now currently own 11 properties and lease another three and they, they I'm just so glad I didn't listen can I just tell you that awaken is going to awaken you into a realm we no longer have to live under what the experts are saying 
real quickly, he says to the, the king, Elisha then now says to the king, he's on his deathbed. He says, take a bow and some arrows. Take a bow and some arrows. The Syrians are coming in. Take a bow and some arrows. He doesn't say, hey, relax, God's got this. You hey, all you need to do is sit back. God's going to do it. We actually believe that, that God is a responsive God. A lot of people are, are waiting for God to move. Please hear me. For God to move. He, 2,000 years ago, left heaven. It was a tiny little seed inside a 15-year-old girl that grew. And then she ends up in Bethlehem of Judea where her waters break and Joseph is frantically running trying to find a place and there's no room in the inn but they've got a little spot outside in the barn and this little baby is born in a barn he grows up in this tiny little obscure village in Nazareth and he's crucified and he dies on the cross and then on the third day he rises again he's the lamb of God that takes away the sin world he rises again he spends 40 days preaching the gospel of the kingdom and then he tells them to wait in Jerusalem they're going to receive power 500 people wait on the first day but eh, it's taken a little longer for power so 10 days later there's only 120 left but the power of God hits them and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and the church is born and we're waiting for God to move he's like you know it might be your turn I kind of saved you redeemed you atoned for your sin, sent the Holy Spirit, filled you with power, gave you gifts. We honestly believe that, that God moves in response. He's a response. He's, he's... The Bible says Jesus was leaving Jericho and a blind beggar by the side of the road said, who, who, what's, what's that noise? What's that commotion? And they said, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're like, shut up. Sorry about that. We don't know what. What do you, shut up. You're a beggar and he's a religious teacher. The Bible says, rather than shutting up, he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, command him to be called. So the blind man gets up and they said, Arise, you know, be of good cheer, he's calling you. And the Bible says, taking off his garment, throws it on the ground, and he makes his makes his way towards Jesus. I'm over here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> makes his way towards Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus looks at blind Bartimaeus and says, what do you want me to do for you? You serious, Clark? <laughs> Even the disciples are like, man, who's blind here? <laughs> what do you mean, what do you want me to do for you? But how many people know that Jesus doesn't ask questions he doesn't know answers to? Jesus never asks a question because he doesn't know the answer. Jesus asks questions to unlock answers. Jesus asks questions to locate. He says to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? In other words, I'm trying to measure where is your faith? Because if blind Bartimaeus said, Lord, I'm hungry, I haven't eaten, 
he would have given him food. I've got nowhere to stay. He would have got him accommodation. He wanted to know because your ask, your ask is the level of your faith. These guys are going to be preaching the word every week. Your faith is going to rise. As your faith rises, your ask, he says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. He called him Jesus. The Pharisees who could tell Herod when the Magi, when the wise men came, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We thought we'd find him here in your lovely palace. And Herod's like, what do you mean born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've been following it these years. Herod done got no star. He, he had to sell his soul. He had to compromise. He had to murder to be in power. And there's somebody who's been born that the constellations echo his royalty. Oh, um, yes, yes. Um, please find out where the lad is that I may k- k- worship him too. I'd love to. I'd love to. The Pharisees could pinpoint the date and the time of Jesus' birth. He's in front of them doing miracles, and they can't see. But blind Bartimaeus has heard the word of God, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that when he, the Mashiach, the Messiah, Yeshua ben Elohim, when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind. No prophet had ever opened the eyes of the blind. Jesus, when he raised the dead, they said a prophet is among us because prophets had raised the dead. But what would make the Messiah distinct from all the other prophets was he would open the eyes of the blind and he believed he could see that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why we rail against a religious spirit because a religious spirit will keep you from seeing God at work and God present and what God is doing in our midst and what God is doing. You'll miss it all. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.